Last week, we got to celebrate Easter and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And today, we are starting a new series called Weapons of Self-Destruction. And as we're going to be looking at this series, we're going to be looking at these habits, these sins in our lives that rob us of our resurrection joy, our resurrection hope. It sins that, that self-destruct, that cause pain, that cause our eyes to be fixed on anything other than Jesus. These sins that we all have and we all possess and we all do at different points in our lives, if not all the time, but we don't think about as much. We don't give airtime to, we don't deal with. And so today we're going to be talking about the issue of pride, the sin of pride, which only I deal with. So you guys are just going to have to figure this out. Um, no, we, we all deal with pride. We all wrestle with pride. We all are prideful. And so we're going to look heavily as to what that is. Um, and so we are going to be doing that by looking at James chapter 4. And so if you have your Bibles, would you open with me to James chapter 4? Turn on your Bibles. If you don't have one, uh, we have Bibles in the back as well for you, but it'll also be on the screen. One of the things that we do here at Travelage Church is we stand for the reading of God's word out of respect and reverence for his words. Would you please stand as we read from the word of the Lord? If you are with me, say amen. amen. All right, in James chapter 4, it says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you dealing with pride Father, I have to confess that even as I preach your word, I am a proud man. I, I have pride, and so I confess to you, Lord, the pride of my heart. I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that the insidious nature of pride is that pride actually stops us from being able to hear and receive your word, to think that we're above needing it or that we're too bad for it. So, Lord, I pray as we talk through, as we as we study your word and what you have for us, Lord, I pray that your spirit would cast out our pride. It would protect us from distraction, from any sense of superiority that we may have or any sense of inferiority that we may have, but that we see your word as life. God, speak to us today. Let it be you. Lord, if it's me, then it's truly coming from my pride. And we don't want that. Lord, we pray that your spirit is moving. We believe that your word is living and active. And God, we, we ask you and we expect you to move today. I pray from the moment I say amen that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, God, my rock and redeemer. I pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So pride. Um, yeah, I'm a proud person. <laughs> uh, I deal with pride. And the more that I have been studying pride this week, the more I see pride show up in my life. Um, and so in some ways, I'm like, great, I have to preach on pride. 
Awesome. Because uh, you see it over and over and over again. It's just there. And so I don't know about you, but for me, I see pride and uh, in, in, I'll be at work and I'm in a meeting that isn't going the way I wished it would. And I, I get angry and upset and I'm like, wow, that's coming out of my pride. I feel like I'm better than this. Conversations I have where I'm disagreeing with my wife, it's stemmed out of this pride. Um, maybe it's driving the car and being cut off and I'm like, oh, I deserve better than that. And it's pride. Pride manifests itself in so many different subtle and secretive ways in our life. And sometimes it seems similar. Like, I don't think anyone here would say that, no, I'm, I'm not a proud person and I don't deal with pride. If you did, well, I'm glad you're here because we're going to talk about that. <laughs> but I also don't think that we see how deep-rooted pride is in our hearts. How deep-rooted and how destructive pride is to our lives. And so we're going to be talking about pride. We're going to be taking a deep dive into pride and exposing this convicting this confrontation of the pride that we possess. Sounds pretty happy, right? You guys are all really excited to do that. Don't worry, they're also going to talk about the hope found in humility. So as we look at pride, this picture that we see in scripture, this picture from James chapter 4 is James is writing to this early church that is experiencing all these different kinds of dissension and quarreling and disruption. And the root of that is Pride. So I'm going to read this passage again and see it through the lens of pride in this scripture. And then we're going to focus primarily and solely, actually, on the last uh, verse in this passage. So in James 4, look at this and see the pride and the problems that pride causes, the other things that arise out of pride. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Pride. Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell within us? but he gives us more grace. That is what scripture says. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So we are going to be looking at this second part. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So as we look deeply into pride, we're going to be doing this through two different points. And it's very simple. It comes directly from the passage. So the two points is pride. God opposes the proud. And what does that mean? What does that mean for us? And what does that mean in this passage? And then also humility. God shows favor to the humble. So how do we have, how do we get, how do we become humble? So first, let's look at pride. The, the fun topic that you guys are all just itching to talk about. So we're, we're going to look at pride. So pride, we could do a number of case studies throughout scripture and see all the different examples of pride. But I think there's a few things that when it comes to pride, when we see that God opposes the proud. Like think about that. God opposes the proud. So it leaves us with a few questions. You might be asking, well, who are the proud? What exactly is pride? Is there a difference between having pride and being proud? Is, there, is, is pride all bad? Or is there a good type of pride? And if we understand who the proud are, what do we do with pride? 
Guys, these are excellent questions. I am so glad you asked that. That is exactly what we're going to be talking about. You guys are right on point. So we're going to be looking, we're going to look at the definition of pride, what pride is. And then we're going to be looking at types of pride and, and these types of pride that show up in our lives. And then the manifestation of pride in other areas of our life. And then looking at how, what it means that God opposes the proud. So first, let's start with the definition of pride. If you'd put on the screen, the definition of pride is pride is a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing conduct. So if you, like me, are confused at the first reading of that, let's go through it again. So a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity. This is a lofty view of self almost an irrational view of self, seeing yourself as better than probably what reality is. It's this high, lofty opinion of our own dignity, our own importance, our merit, our superiority. And it's these things that we cherish in our minds, the things that we think about. It's how we think about ourselves. Scripture talks about it as being haughty, having haughty eyes. It's our view of ourselves and it compares it to everyone else. And we see ourselves as greater than, as superior, as better than everyone in everything. And not only is it displayed or cherished in our mind, it's displayed in our actions, the way we live, what we do, how we function. And so pride is this lofty opinion that actually manifests itself in the way that we think and see the world and the way that we live our lives. And like I said, if we're looking for a case study on pride, we could talk about all of these different examples in Scripture. You could look at King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. You could look at Haman in the story of Esther. You could look at the kings of Israel. You could, at, you could look at Saul or David or Solomon. You could look at the prophets. You could, look at the, you could look at Israel itself throughout the whole Old Testament. You could look at the Pharisees. You could look at the disciples. You could look at the, the patriarchs in Genesis. If you want a case study in pride, you could look at Satan himself. You could look at Adam and Eve. So we aren't going to necessarily look at a case study, but we want to see that pride permeates everything. It is the root of sin. And so St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, describes pride this way. And he says, pride is the love of self, even to the contempt of God. Pride is the love of self, even to the belittling of of God, the contempt of God. It is elevating ourselves above everything else. You are special. The love of self. Well, the Bible also speaks pretty strongly about pride. So we're going to look at a few passages of, of Scripture real quick. They're going to be on the screen, starting in Proverbs. And we're going to see what the Bible says about pride. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, which is pride. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes and feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Let's look at the next passage. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Let, this is what the Lord says. Let it, the wise not boast in their wisdom or the strong boast in their strength or the rich boast in their riches. And we're going to get back to the rest of that passage towards the end. 
Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Then we look at our passage. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. The Bible speaks pretty strongly. The Lord speaks pretty strongly about pride. In fact, he hates it. That is a strong language. That's not just like, oh, that makes him upset. He hates it. Hates pride. So now we see what pride is and we see how the Bible is so strong against it and we see that God opposes the proud. Well, who are they? Who are the proud? Surely it isn't you. But it is. (laughs) If there's anything you get today, I want you to see that you are prideful and so am I. Not that you have pride, but that you are full of pride. You are prideful. So, if you don't believe me, I'm going to prove it to you. We are going to look at different types of pride, different ways that pride expresses itself in our lives. So the first way that we see pride express itself in our lives is the pride of elevation. This is the self-promoting pride, the pride that puts the spotlight on ourselves. The studies have been shown on people when, when talking about pride and asking, do you have pride? Actually, this area of pride is one that least is identified. People don't see this area of pride in themselves. But interestingly enough, they happen to see this area of pride in everyone else. It's wild. People, people don't see this elevating pride in themselves, but man, it is so easy to spot in other people. It's the thing that we can't see in ourselves, but we hate it. We hate it when we see it in other people. It's so easy. You know who I'm talking about. You, you have the the person in your mind, that proud person where life is all about them. You can think of them. Maybe you're at a, a dinner party or, or a, a party in general, or maybe you're spending time with a family. You, can, you know that person who is, who is proud. The proud person is the one that's kind of the pompous windbag. You know, they're, they're the person that makes life all about them. It's when you're talking to them, all they talk about is their accomplishments, uh, their vacation that they went on. And, and not like in a way that it was like, oh, cool, I'm glad you're on a vacation. But like, look at all these things we did. And like, look at all that I have. Aren't you? Like, look at this. I am such a, an awesome human being. And you are just blessed to be in my presence. You know? It, it's this pride of elevation, of self-promoting. It's the person that constantly is talking about themselves and all the things that they're doing. Oh, it's exhausting. And you know those people. But sometimes it's not even the people and what they say. It's the fact that they're constantly trying to draw attention to themselves. You see it in the way that they dress, actually. It's people that wear revealing clothing, you know, to show that, like, look at my figure. Not just girls, but guys, too. Like, God made this body. You're welcome. You know? I'm going to wear a shirt that's just a little too tight so you can just get a good look at all of this. There's a reason I don't wear shirts like that. But... It's another sermon for another time. We see that there's this pride of elevating, of self-promoting, of saying, look at me and all that I have done. Look at me and how attractive I am. Look at me. Don't you want a piece of this? You should. But then we also see this. If you're looking for a a, a prime example, if you've been watching any of the the NFL draft, just watch any interview that happens of a a person who's been drafted. Um, You see this in athletes or in celebrities pretty often. It's really easy to see pride show up. It's the person who you would consider to be the ball hog, right? It doesn't matter that the person's open. I have the ball and this is my time. 
I'm getting to the Hall of Fame, you know? Like you see it and then in the interview when they talk about whether it's a win or a loss, it's all about them, right? You see it, it's like if they won, they go, yeah, I did such a great job. I had a great game. You know, I'm really happy about this. I think we're, we have a good chance, you know, because uh, the teams are so blessed to have me, right? I'm not going to name drop players. You know who they are. Um, and then it's the, when they lose, it's all about them. They're deflated and, de- and defeated. It's all about them. And if you were like me, you rode the bench in high school. That's okay. You weren't a starter. But man, when you did start, life felt good because it's all about you. You're like, check it out. Like, I'm a starter today, you know? Forget that it was on like the C team, but we'll get there. It's not about me right now. So we see that pride of elevation always is saying, look at me and how awesome I am. You know what's wild is this happens in preaching. Confession time for you. There's times when I preach and afterwards I'm like, man, I crushed it. (laughs) Amen. You're welcome, God. Do you see how wicked that is? It's like I get pride in, in preaching God's word. Man, pride is so messed up. Maybe you're proud. Maybe you see this elevation pride in your life. It's the person who's constantly bragging about their kids because they find their identity in their achievements. It's the boss who takes credit for all of their team's work because they want to look good. It's the people who say, look at me and what I am doing. Don't you see how good it is? Where is the pride of elevation in your life? It's the boasting of your own accomplishments. Maybe you're sitting here elbowing the person next to you, saying, hey, are you listening? This is, you should probably pay attention. <laughs> maybe we should all pay attention to this. At some point in our lives, we all live in the pride of elevation, and maybe you're stuck there. Maybe you're sitting here and going, nah, that really isn't me. I, I seem to be doing pretty good. Like, I mean, yeah, there's moments of that, but by and large, I'm not the elevating pride. Like, I don't identify with that. I see it for sure. Amen, brother. But I, that's not me. Cool, we're going to talk about this next type of pride, and you're going to fit in this category. So this category of pride is deprecating pride. The pride of self-pity. Um, I just remembered this. Actually, before I go there, uh, there is a quote I wanted to show you because it's really important. So back in the elevating pride real quick, if you'd put this, this is by C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. Just to paint a picture of how uh, insidious pride is, the pride of elevation. It says, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, but only having more of it than the next person. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they're not. They're proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. If anyone else became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. Man. Pride. So, going back to the pride of deprecation, because I missed it there. Back to the pride of deprecation. The pride of deprecation is one that's easier to identify in self, but it's a lot harder to see in other people because it looks a lot like humility. The pride of deprecation is one that says, you don't see yourself as the best looking. You don't see yourself as the most athletic. You don't see yourself as the great talent in the room. You don't see yourself as the smartest person. But man, you are aware of who all those people are and you are judging them. You know who the attractive people are, the smart people are, the talented people are, and you're like, but they're so proud. (laughs) My goodness. You are sitting in your own misery. The self-deprecating pride says, I'm not that great, but man, forget them. Self-deprecating pride also wallows in suffering. You may have experienced true, real hurt, trauma, pain, loss in your life. 
And it, this doesn't minimize it. Pride doesn't mean, the ability to have humility doesn't mean that you can't grieve or find true sorrow and pain and suffering. But deprecating pride finds your identity in it. It's not about the fact that you suffered. It's that that's who you are now. You've become enslaved to it. The loss that you feel, the pain that you feel is now your God. Deprecating pride is a suffering pride. A pride that continually suffers because that is who you are now, the sufferer. It's also the sacrificer. It's the person who's willing to do anything for anybody but for them. Man, they look good. They're always there, ready to serve, ready to help, but they're doing it for them. No, no, no. Look at how much I've sacrificed for this. Look at how much I've sacrificed for you. Like, I am a servant. But it's pride. It's pride. Deprecating, self-pitying pride is the boasting in our suffering. The boasting in our loss. It's still consumed about you. It's all about you. It's all about who you, what you've done and, and what you've experienced. You might not be saying, look at me and all that I've accomplished, but you're saying, look at me and what I've suffered. I'm the hero. Deprecating pride. There's actually a third type of pride. And all of us fit into either the elevating or deprecating pride. But there's another type of pride that's a spiritual pride, a justifying pride, a self-righteous pride. And the example we see from this actually comes from Luke 18. Luke 18, Jesus is talking to his disciples and there's this narrative of uh, this parable of this Pharisee and tax collector who are going to the temple to pray. And the, the Pharisee goes to the temple and he prays with his arms outstretched and yelling to the sky, God, thank you that I'm not a sinner. Thank you that that I, I give to you generously and graciously. I offer sacrifices. Thank you that I'm not like this lowly tax collector, this, this terrible human being. Thank you, Lord, that I am not a pagan like him. Right? The self-righteous pride. Comparing ourselves to other people and going, hey, at least I'm more spiritual than that person. At least I have a better relationship with the Lord than they do. Whereas the tax collector won't even look up to heaven and beats his chest and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so we see the tax collector displays true humility and the Pharisee shows a spiritual self-righteous pride. Guys, we do this all the time. It's the person, as you're hearing this story, you're saying, wow, I am so glad I'm not like that Pharisee. Just now, you were like so proud. You just displayed spiritual self-righteous pride going, thank you, Lord, I'm not like that Pharisee. And then the rest of you, it's going, thank you, Lord, that I didn't think that. <laughs> Pride's insidious, isn't it? It really, I almost fell there. It really, it really gets under and it's everywhere. It permeates through everything. Another way we see spiritual pride is the comparison of other believers. We see this with church. Hey, at least my pastor didn't fall in sin like they did. Wow. What a prideful statement. As if we are any more righteous. At least my church doesn't have those issues. At least this place worships God this way. My church does this, but your church does that. Spiritual comparison. I am way more holy for worshiping at this place 
If you were there, then you'd probably encounter God more. We can think that. Spiritual pride is so damaging. Spiritual pride is a torment in the church. And we are all guilty of it. So now that we see that there's these different aspects of pride and we fit in a category of pride, I want us to, and we're going to do this pretty quickly, but you still might might not believe that pride has a a permeating, uh, omnipresent issue in your life. That pride isn't something that just kind of wraps and robs the joy uh, of the Lord in you. You might not, you might see, yeah, I have proud moments, but I don't still think that I'm prideful. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper and we're going to see how pride actually manifests itself in other sins. So we're not going to look exhaustively at all the sins because we'll be here until tomorrow. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at other sins that we're going to be talking about through this series, through these weapons of self-destruction series. So Pride, as we begin, pride shows itself in other sins. Pride is the root sin, is the chief sin. At the core of every sin, you will find pride. And so at that, our our hearts, our hearts are like, picture a garden, right? A garden that's supposed to bear fruit. And the, the fruit comes from the spirit. And so we see it's love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's it's fruit that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. But pride is like the weeds in the garden. It's the root that's under it. And the sin that comes up is the dandelions, the the other weeds that I don't know the names of. You know, all of those weeds that that come up and and it actually squelches out and, and, and suffocates the fruit. Pride is at the root. So ways that you might see pride in your life is envy. You might have a hard time rejoicing in the joys of other people and the advancements of other people. You might have a hard time experiencing happiness on behalf of someone else. An example of this is the single person who, whose friend just got into a relationship and you're like, oh, I'm so happy for you. You get an invitation to a wedding and you're like, plus one? Uh, no. Great. Forever alone. It's the, it's the parent who, who doesn't have children but looks at the family who's celebrating the birth of their child and is like, I'm so happy for you. That's great. It's judging through Instagram. You may hit the like button, but man, your heart does not like that. Envy. The inability to celebrate other people's successes and achievements because you are so consumed with yourself. It's all about you and your happiness. Anger. Anger is one that you see a lot. It's the guy who's at the cashier and gives the coupon and finds out that it's a day late and they won't accept it and they just lose it. Are you kidding me? It expired yesterday. Let me talk to your manager. It's the person who gets stuck in traffic and thinks that that's like a personal affront, you know? As if all of traffic was, was an attack on them. Dude, everybody's in it. But man, they say some colorful things. It's the person who loses it at very small things. Maybe a person who walks in the room, you know who they are, and you're like, it's already going to be a bad day. I saw that guy. (laughs) Great. Have to talk to him. Pride is always defending you. It's all about you and what you want and you enjoy. And when other people get in your way, oh, just stinks. (laughs) Anger. Lust. You see it show up in lust. Now, lust pretty commonly is just seen as, as sexual, but it's so much more than that. And we're going to talk more about that when we talk about lust. But lust is also a lust for power, for control. What prideful lust is, is I want something just to prove that I can have it. 
I want that not because I need it or because I love this person or this thing or I want to pursue this, but just so I can prove to you and prove to myself that I could get it. Lust. Sloth or laziness. You feel entitled. You feel like you don't need to work really hard because, well, people need to serve you. And, well, if it doesn't really impact you directly, then it's really not that important. So I can binge watch 17 episodes of this show. Do you want to keep watching? Yes. I don't need to do, I don't need to uh, be responsible. I don't, I, I can figure out life later. Like right now I need, it's all about me. I don't need to work hard. Greed. I need more. I need to prove that I'm valuable, that I'm, that I'm worthwhile. So I need to wear the best. I need to wear the name brand. I need to get the nice car. I need to have this. I need more. Oh, I just got that, but now that's outdated. I need to update. I need to upgrade. I need, I need this. Why? Because I need to feel like I am worth something. Pride lies through greed and says that you need more. Gluttony. Overeating and overdrinking. Man, that one, that's so prevalent in our culture. <laughs> just go through Taco Bell. I don't know why you would, but if you do, and you just go like, I'm going to have that and that and that and that and that. And then like eight bottles of Tums later, you go, why did I do this, right? Because you're just, you need it. You say, I deserve to eat well. This body is mine, so I can do with it what I want. It's fine. Pride shows itself in other sins, and it hides itself. It masks itself, so that when you attack the weed, you're just cutting off the top of it. I'm going to attack this envy. I have envy right now, and by God's grace, you're going to attack it. But if you don't get to the root, it's just going to show up somewhere else. Pride is so sinister so insidious and so captivating of our heart. And it makes us calloused. It makes us see the world and judge it, either because it's lesser than us or because why is it better than us? They don't deserve that. Pride. Where is pride showing up in your heart? Where is pride showing up in your life? Where do you identify either with the types of pride or you see the manifestations of pride in your heart? What we see is that God opposes the proud. That is strong language. God opposes the proud. In Greek, it really means that God is preparing for battle. Why would you prepare for battle? Because you are going to destroy the enemy. Who's the enemy? You and me. We are the proud. And we are standing toe to toe with God. And in our pride, we say, bring it, God. I got this. Do you know who I am? He's like, do you know who I am? I'm God. <laughs> That's what pride does. Not only does God oppose the proud, but in pride, we oppose God. Pride is a big deal. So what do we do? If God opposes the proud and we are the proud, how do we stand a chance? What do we do? How do we get rid of this pride? How do we, where's the fix? If pride is this disease in our hearts that, that is just, through everything and in everything, how do we get rid of pride? What do we do? What is the answer to that? Guys, you guys are so good. These are great questions. Okay, we're going to look at humility. That's good. The next point we're going to talk about is the next part of this, this verse. We're going to see that, but God shows favor to the humble. So God shows favor to the humble or grace to the humble. 
So the question then is, what is humility? How do I become humble? How do I obtain humility? What does that mean for me? Well, humility basically means uh, to be low or to, to common or not arrogant is the definition of humility. There's a few passages in scripture, actually, if you'd pull them up, um, we'll see some things that say about what the Bible says about humility. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Then we also see, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Pride belongs to a person low, but the lowly spirit gain honor. And then we see in our passage, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humility doesn't say, look at me. It looks out. So how do we get humility? Well, there's two different types of humility that we're going to look at. There's a fake humility and there's authentic humility. There's a worldly humility and then there's a gospel humility. The worldly humility actually is pride wrapped up in humility. And that's why pride is so, so dangerous. There's the pride of humility that says, it's, it changes the way you think. It's like, oh, I need to be lowly. I need to be, I need to be common. I need to not be arrogant. So I'm just going to, I'm going to think myself lower. I'm just going to have a lower self-esteem. You know, I'm going to deflate my balloon. Now I'm humble, right? And so you actually consider yourself lower. But you know what that is? It's self-deprecating pride. You're not humble. You're just showing pride in a different form. Maybe it's the, the way that you speak. You're, you can't receive uh, any kind of, of, of positive praise or acceptance. Someone says, well done, way to go. And you're like, oh, no, 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 not me. Don't, no, 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 I can't. You deflect, deflect, deflect. I can't do that. You can't receive blessing or you can't receive gifts from people because it's like, well, I'm humble. I, I gotta be humble. It's all about humility and I'm low, right? But what that is, is it's pride that's either self-righteous or it's pride that's self-pitying. I don't deserve the compliments. I don't deserve the praise. Or really what you're saying is, please stop, stop, don't, don't, don't praise me. Don't praise me. Just please stop. It's pride masked in humility. Or maybe it's serving. It's what you do with your hands, what you, what you do with, with your life. And you go and you serve. These are people, you see people all the time who are, who are doing amazing things in the world. They're, they're doing great efforts of, of social justice, but they're doing it for the feeling of fulfillment and gratification in themselves. Yes, they might be doing it for other people, but it's the feeling. And not that you shouldn't feel good serving. It's not that true humility is just feeling awful all the time. That's not humility. But why are you doing it? Are you doing it to fulfill yourself or for another reason? Humility can be false and it masks, it's pride masked in the form of humility. So what is true humility? What is real humility? What is authentic humility? If God shows favor to the humble, what does it mean to have true humility? Well, here's the thing. What we want to see in true humility, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis again from Mere Christianity. I've read a lot of him this week. It says, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. It's not thinking more of myself and it's not thinking less of myself. I'm not saying, oh, I, I need to be more humble. And then it's not saying, oh, no, no, I need to stop thinking of myself. It's stopping thinking of yourself. It is not thinking of yourself. But how do we do this? If you try to willpower your way to humility, it will only get you to pride. Isn't that wild? 
If you went, if, if it was go and, and humble yourself before the Lord and you went, and you're like, okay, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to try to be humble. And you worked out your own humility, it would turn into pride. So how do we actually get humility? The reality is we don't need humility. We need to be humbled. We need to be humbled. How are we humbled? The cross. We need to be humbled we don't need humility. And we find true humility in the person of Jesus Christ, who humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. Philippians 2 shows us that the God of the universe took on human form. He made himself dwelling among his own creation and was rejected by them. The Prince of Peace became the King of Shame for us. For us. The only one who has ever exemplified true humility is Jesus. We can only find humility in the source of humility, and that is in Christ. He is our humility. He is our greatest joy, and the cross is our greatest shame. And that's because the cross tells us that we are sinful and that our best efforts to try to humble ourselves are only going to lead to pride. We can't save ourselves. We can't do it. One of the most beautiful pictures of humility that we see in the life of Jesus is when he's sitting in the garden right before he's about to be crucified. And he prays the Lord three times saying, Lord, if it be your will, if there's another way, let this cup of wrath pass from me. But not my will. Let your will be done. Three times Jesus prays that. And we see that he actually humbles himself and dies. It was in that moment, it was that moment that he was all in. I am your will, Lord, your will, Father. Jesus became opposed for us so that in our own pride, we wouldn't be crushed by God's opposition. Jesus took on the opposition for us so that we wouldn't be crushed by the sin of our own pride. We cannot stand before the glory of God and live. But in Christ, we have new life. We have new resurrection. We have new hope. In Jesus, we have true humility. We have true life. It is only in the cross. The cross is our greatest shame and our greatest joy. Humility is found in submission. Not Not my will, but let your will be done in my life and in your world. Let you be glorified. You know what happens when we have true humility? When the, when the submission that we give to the Lord, when we actually have Christ-centered gospel humility, we don't have to boast in ourselves anymore. I don't have to say, hey, look at me, because I get to say, look at what's been done for me. I don't have to say, look, look at all that I've done. I say, look at all that he did. I don't have to say, look at how awful I am. I say, look at how much he loves me. Look at how much he has saved me. Look at how he has forgave me. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done. And in that, we find both hope and boasting. It's not that we shouldn't have pride, but that our pride doesn't identify in ourselves. Our pride identifies in our Savior. So let us boast in the cross and in our Savior crucified and resurrected. We actually find this in Scripture. If you look at this on the screen, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast in their wisdom or the strong boast in their strength. Let the rich boast of the riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding and know me, 
that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians, he says this, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things in this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despising things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And lastly, in Psalms we see, I will glory in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. In your success, you find Jesus. In your pain, you find Jesus. It's not about your self-righteousness, it's about the righteousness of Christ. So where is pride taking root in your heart? Where has pride corrupted and calloused you? Where have you not submit to the Lord and see that only in Christ can we find the eradication of our sin, the, the, the means to the death of our pride. And only in him can we find life and life to the full. Where is pride taking root in your heart? We're going to do something that's a little different as we end today. Something that maybe you've never done. And if you're not someone who considers yourself a church person, this may seem a little weird, but we all get to do this together as a response to pride. And as we humble ourselves, as we're called to go before the Lord and submit to him, the way we do that is through prayer. We pray to God and say, Lord, expose the pride in my heart. Take it. Forgive me for rebelling against you and making myself God, for loving myself even at the rejection of God. Expose the pride in my heart and let you be king let you reign supreme. Build the foundation of your life in me. So we're going to take some time. The band's going to come up and they're going to play over it, but we, we're going to spend time praying. You get to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, expose pride in my heart. Let me see it so that I can confess it. Because maybe the pride is so insidious, it's hidden and you still can't see it. We're going to take time and pray and pray that God not only exposes the pride, but that we release it to him and rest in his full, the fullness of his death and resurrection. I'm going to pray for us and the band's going to come up. And then after I pray, we're going to have a time of prayer in the quietness of your heart between you and the Lord. Let's pray.